Welcome to this Frequency Matters podcast. I'm Pat Hindle, and today we are going to discuss the automotive radar market and future trends. With me today to discuss this topic is Dr. James Jeffs, Technology Analyst at ID TechX. Welcome, James. Thanks, Patrick, and uh, thank you for having me on this week. So ID TechX just released a uh, new report, Automotive Radar 2022 through 2042, which we'll provide a link to in the description here. And radar miniaturization was one of the key trends. What factors are contributing toward this? Uh, so there's a couple of key factors, I, I think, in my opinion. Over the past decade, we've seen a transition from 24 gigahertz spectrum uh, to 77 gigahertz. There's a number of reasons for that when you get to the higher frequency you get better imaging potential and that's obviously a key concern as we move towards more autonomous cars you want radars to have as much imaging potential as possible and the 24 gigahertz spectrum was also starting to get a bit crowded and uh, automotive radars were interfering with other things in that spectrum Uh, one example is um, space observation equipment Uh, so particularly in europe and the us uh, regulations and legislation has been deterring away from 24 gigahertz and now most new radars brought to market by tier ones are going to be in the 77 uh, so the 76 to 81 gigahertz range and when you move from 24 gigahertz to 77 gigahertz the wavelength you're using uh, reduces which means the antenna that you use uh, reduces in size as well uh, it's about a half to a quarter the size um, of antenna for a 77 gigahertz versus 24. So that enables you to shrink the package because you don't need to build as big antenna PCBs anymore. And that's the, the first factor that we're seeing. The second is um, towards the end of the last decade, uh, silicon CMOS transceiver technologies, which power the radar, they um, it's the chip that creates the electrical signal that the antenna uses and um, then emits. That technology has become more viable for radar. The power that you can transmit using silicon CMOS has increased, and it's made it a viable alternative to the silicon germanium by CMOS technology that was used in transceivers previously. Uh, the advantage of silicon CMOS is that it has smaller transistor sizes, which, um, as we've seen in computers, uh, as transistor sizing comes down, the processing power of the computer increases and essentially you're able to do more things with the same footprint of chip uh, which means that you don't need as many different chips around the radar anymore so in sort of 2010 you would build a radar a transmitting chip a receiving chip uh, some sort of um, radar management chip a voltage regulating chip and nowadays you can put all of those features all of those tasks into a single silicon CMOS chip which means you can build smaller boards and that helps you bring the sizing down again so those are the two factors I see mainly contributing to a reduction in radar sizing is the the step to the new frequency band and then the integration opportunities that silicon CMOS brings yeah you're seeing a lot of system on chip solutions hitting the market so that's very interesting So how does uh, other uses of the radar other than the long range front unit reduce the size and what are other performance parameters for those? How are they used in ADAS and autonomy functions? Yes, so the the side radars are where you can really take advantage of the miniaturization because um, for the front radar, you need very long ranges. Uh, Typically, OEMs are asking for 
200 to 400 meters and the the longer the range the better um you know you want to be seeing as far down the road as possible and you're asking for oh, very low angular resolution as well so the ability to separate neighboring objects very precisely and uh those tend to require bigger more powerful radars that tend to have uh bigger antenna arrays but when you move to side radars because you're not moving in the side direction you don't need as much range you don't need as much imaging potential as well it's more sufficient to know for example for a blind spot detection system you don't need much um imaging resolution at all all you need to know is that there's a, a big object that's within a couple of meters of the car and it's sort of in the position where if you were to change lanes it's going to cause a problem um that allows you to build very small and um antenna arrays that uh, scatter the emission more broadly so you end up with wider field fields of view shorter ranges and um, shorter worse imaging potential essentially so that's where you can really take advantage of the miniaturization because you don't need as big antenna arrays you can do everything on one chip whereas front rate uh, front radars are moving to sort of uh, multi-chip configurations now and you can make very small radars and it's where you're likely to see the emergence of um, antenna on chip as well first I think. So how is antenna technology or antenna and package technology being used here to reduce the size and cost? So antenna in package is really I think as small as you could make a, a single chip radar. Um, at the moment system on chip is sort of the state of the art where you can do um, all of your processing on the chip you you get the um, voltage signals for the antenna array on chip but you need so you still need an antenna array to send that to so the smallest radars we're seeing at the moment um, there's, there's quite a common picture of an nxp radar where it's just a very small chip and then you can see the antenna traces on the pcb next to it um, so obviously that's got a bigger footprint than you could optimally use because you've, you've got the footprint required for the chip, but then you've also got next to it the footprint required for the antenna. Uh, so antenna on package is really the next step where you move that antenna trace onto the top of your chip and then you've got everything on a tiny footprint and um, it's not going to produce the best performance because you're compromising the size of the antenna so or the antenna array so you're compromising um, your emission you're likely to have a very broad field of view very short ranges with that kind of thing but because it's so small it makes it very easy to implement around the vehicle um, so if you think about how easy it is to put ultrasound sensors uh, on the back of a the vehicle they're very small easily implemented you could quite uh, conceivably have those ultrasound sensors replaced by um, antenna on package designs in the future perhaps and um, actually I have spoken to a couple of tier one suppliers who think that might be a trend we see in the future that ultrasound sensors become obsolete as they're replaced with um, smaller and better integrated radar are there any new antenna technologies that you've seen like waveguide type that increase the efficiency uh, there's a couple of startups I can think of that are working on um, sort of digital beam, digital and analog beam forming antennas, um, which is a very interesting technology. So the way most antennas work is they create a sort of static shape emission. And generally speaking, if you build a long antenna, then it's going to focus into the 
into a plane. So if you build a long vertical antenna, it's going to focus into a plane horizontal to the ground. If you build a very wide antenna, then it's going to focus the emission vertically. And if you build a massive square antenna, then it's going to focus the um, emission into a point, essentially. Um, but what you can do with a beam, a, a analog beam steering antenna is um, you can change the phase of your emission up and down your antenna array and that lets you effectively steer the um, emission and the advantage of that is you can take more of a scanning approach with your radar so instead of sending out a flash and trying to measure everything in one go you can focus your emission into a very thin plane and then scan up and down the image and that gives you much better resolution in both the azimuth and um, elevation directions the downside of that is you need to take say 10 20 30 images uh, or scans to get a one one image of your um environment so you need to be able to do those scans very quickly but and it will always impact the frame rate you can achieve because you need to do uh multiple passes to generate a single image it's very exciting that technology and um i think it it definitely has scope one of the other advantages of doing that kind of um approach is that you've you focused your emission so thinly that its um, drop-off with range becomes less because you're you're spreading your emission over a smaller area, so you end up having more power at longer distances, and you can it really helps you reach those sort of three hundred and fifty plus meters that OEMs are looking for. So one thing that you mentioned that was very interesting to me in the report as a future trend is disaggregating the antenna from the electronics. How would that be set up on the vehicle, and what are the advantages of that? Yes, that's not something that I've seen anyone talking about, but it, it just feels like as we get more integrated um, and as we progress with our radar technology, it's, it's something that we could see happen. It also requires a progression of um, uh, our ability to build electronics into different components around the vehicle. But the advantage of it would be, especially from a sense of fusion advantage. So the way lots of um, radars work at the minute, I, pretty much all the radars you buy from uh, tier one is they do a lot of processing on board the unit and then they will output a point cloud, which tells you all of the objects they've picked up, all of the detections they've picked up, the um, distance to that uh, object and its velocity. And then that gets combined on a central computer and uh, the central computer then try from those different point cloud reports from all the different radars, it builds up an image of what the vehicle has around it. Um, so if you were to, say, have your radar spread around the whole vehicle, so you had one radar controlling antenna arrays around the entire vehicle, uh, then you would you'd be able to do that layer of um, sense of fusion and fusing all those results of all the locations of all your detected objects at a much higher level, and you could you could see how you could have um, this radar sort of viewing 360 degrees around the vehicle and working uh, sort of much more in unison rather than having um, discrete radars in different parts of the vehicle coming together after more processing. 
And so I think you're implying that some of those antennas would be like embedded in the doors or in the headlights and all around the car. Have you seen that being done anywhere or any signs of that research? So I've seen research um, linked to the Fraunhofer Institution on radar glass, where they were developing a film to put over the headlights of a car that would um, essentially be an antenna array. Um, so they were using uh, some sort of uh, laser etching technology. I think I'm not um, building electronics is beyond my uh specialism it's not something i can describe in huge detail so you'll have to give me on the details of how these things actually get made but in essence it was a very thin film um with antenna patches on that could be placed over the headlights and would be completely transmissive to light uh so that's uh, one way that you could integrate um i'm told by other sort of electronic specialists that there are ways that are being researched currently of um, embedding electronics as part of the manufacturing process of parts. Um, so you construct the circuit trace that you want and then it gets combined with um, a component as part of the injection molding process. So that's something that you could possibly see happening for um, sort of injection or, or molded plastic parts. Um, plastic body parts of the vehicle. So there's, there's a few ways that uh, someone might go about doing that. The, the disadvantage of most of those methods is that when it comes to printing um, circuit traces or printing any kind of trace of conductive material, you end up with quite rough edges and rough edges are not good for high frequency electronics that you would find in a radar. Um, so there's that to consider and that might be one of the the drawbacks or one of the things that holds back that ever happening. But it's it's certainly something that I think you might see in the future. It's a, It would be a sort of the ultimate integration you could have of the, the radar and the vehicle if um, you were able to embed the antenna into the bodywork and then house your radar controller somewhere else or even house your radar controller as part of your autonomous driving control unit. Um, but yes, it's not something that I've uh, seen people working on. I think it's something that, you know, we, we could never see. It will certainly take a few years before we, we see someone working on that, I think. I recently came across a company called Meta Materials that actually embeds very thin wires in glass or plastic. And so they could possibly do that in windshields or headlights. Um, they can use it as an antenna or also control the amount of energy that comes in or out of the window. So they were looking more at 5G, but could be used in this application. That's certainly something along the right lines of, of what you could use it for, yeah. So we're seeing a lot of startups in this area. Um, there's RB, Viar, Under is doing digital radar, Zader Labs, Steradian Semi, MetaWave and this meta materials I just mentioned, and probably many more that are coming into the market. How are they affecting the market for these 4D sensing systems that will be coming to market soon? I think they're definitely showing what can be done with radar. And um, some of them are incredibly impressive, especially in my opinion, the ones that are working on their own chip, chip technology. Uh, so that would be Arbe, Vea, um, under who are designing their own chips and um, they're tending to go for very high channel counts per chip compared to what the established tier twos such as Infineon and NXP are supplying. 
I think the difficulty that any of them will have, though, is that the OEM tier one relationship is so embedded. I mean, for someone like Bosch and Continental, these companies are getting on for 100 years old. I think Continental's 120, 125 years old, and they've been making cars with the same OEMs for decades. Um, you know, they're, they're well-established, multi-billion dollar companies. It's very hard for someone like um, Arbe to jump in and start supplying millions of radars into the automotive industry. Um, certainly some of them are, are having great progress. So Arbe has uh, a speculative deal with one of the robo-taxi companies to supply hundreds of thousands of units, which is um, fantastic for them. And uh, under were able to commercialize their radar with um, Magna and start supplying to Fisker, one of the um, EV startups. And I think the the established tier ones will be taking note of what they're doing and how much they can achieve with radar. And we're starting to see them move now. So we're starting to see uh, Continental adopting silicon CMOS technology as of their fifth generation and starting to build um, cascaded radars, so radars that use four transceiver chips instead of just the one to build um, these much bigger, higher definition 4D radars. So the tier ones are definitely taking notice and starting to build these higher resolution radars. And I think that for the startups, um, there are routes into uh, production, but I think it's mainly going to be partnering with a tier one like under has done and uh, supplying that way or, or licensing their technologies, that kind of um, route into market. Yeah. Under just announced that they will be on the uh, Karma Fisker, which is releasing this fall. So that might be the first of the 4D sensing type chips that come to market. Have you heard of any others that are being released? From what I understand, the Continental ARS 540, I would class as a 4d imaging it uses um four three by four channel um, transceivers giving a total of 192 virtual channels they i don't think they have released its uh, sort of angular resolution but i would guess it's going to be in the one to two degrees range um they've certainly released uh images of its operation and um, clearly being able to see the difference between bridges and cars, which has been a difficult challenge in the past, um, separating nearby cars, separating cars from big radar reflecting objects like um, Armco and uh, barriers that separate the roads. So I would class that as a 4D imaging radar. And as far as I'm aware, that has gone into production vehicles either the end of last year or the start of this year. That would be my guess as to what the first commercially available 4D radar would be. Um, and then, yes, we've, we should have under releasing their radar onto, vehicle, onto the Fisker vehicles later this year, which is very exciting. So you mentioned these 4D radar sensors give you much better resolution, help improve safety. Are they also going to add to level five autonomy? I mean, when is that going to be available more widely than other than just on the uh, Tesla vehicles, which have been questionable in their operation of that? Yeah, so I am firmly in the camp that believe Tesla is a level two, um, mainly because of the laws that you have in America and you're not allowed to operate cars at, at level three. I, I don't think any state lets you 
um, take your hands off the wheel and your eyes off the task of driving. Uh, they certainly have level four ambitions and uh, you know parts of what they're trying to do fall under level four in that they are trying to provide a technology where you could take your hands and eyes off off the task of driving completely disengage yourself um in terms of level five i think it's i i don't like talking about level five too much because i think it's such um a far goal um it it really is reaching for the stars or you know what, what's the expression aim too high and miss rather than aim too low and overachieve it's <laughs> it's that, that real stretch goal yeah um i am happy that we have level four vehicles on the road in the form of some of the robo taxi testing um you know the the definition of a level four is that it needs to be able to complete journeys without driver intervention in a set environment and Waymo has been doing that for quite some time in Phoenix, in one of the suburbs of Phoenix. And uh, I mean, what they've, they've chosen a quite quiet suburb to do it in. Um, I, they might have restrictions in terms of what speeds they're allowed to get to or operating at night. But that all falls under level four for me. Um, I see level four as, as long as there isn't a driver, it doesn't really matter how tight the restrictions are. And obviously, the robo taxis are progressing more in San Francisco, and um, their miles per disengagement is going up every year. So they they still are progressing in safety and technology. I kind of see level four getting much more advanced and sophisticated to the point where level four might become level five. But there's also the the question of uh, you know how big does level four need to be before we call it level five? So if the robo taxi companies expanded their base of operation to all of San Francisco, you know, that's going to be level five for a lot of San Franciscans that only need to travel from one place to another in San Francisco. What would level five bring them that level four currently isn't bringing them? Or if you were able to get a robo taxi from California to Nevada, you know, that would be level five for a lot of people because a lot of people won't need to travel further than that in a vehicle. So I think we'll just keep seeing the increasing of the geofenced areas that level four robo taxis are allowed to operate in to the point where maybe then we're satisfied that we've achieved level five so just to kind of wrap things up are there any other key trends that you're seeing in the market and following so within the radar market um silicon cmos is is the new big technology that the the tier ones are looking at moving over to uh, the tier twos look at me moving over to and I, I think it's uh you know it could shake up the tier two structure quite a bit because infineon doesn't look like they're going to be moving to silicon cmos as quickly as nxp and some others and but silicon cmos isn't sort of end goal so when we talk about silicon cmos we're talking about transistor sizes of 40 to 45 nanometers which is being used um bosch is already working with global foundries on moving to I think a 22 nanometer solution and um, you know we can we could probably go as low as five nanometers in the future which is kind of the current state of the art for computing so that's one of the big trends that I think we'll see in the future is uh, we might have silicon CMOS for 10 years like we had silicon germanium and then we'll be talking about um, the new semiconductor technology um, and then within autonomy as a whole 
uh, we're seeing level three emerging now, which is very exciting. Um, so we saw the Honda Legend in Japan last year, which was sort of the first level three car. It was available in incredibly limited quantity. There was only 100 made available in Japan. But this year we're seeing Germany open up its roads to um, level three technologies in the form of the Mercedes S-Class. So we are seeing that, you know, we're, we're on the road now from level two to level three and then hopefully level four private cars in the future china is very keen on level four private cars if you saw the shanghai auto show last year there were a couple of chinese manufacturers you know showing off private privately available what they called level four cars obviously china has the same issue of they only let level two on the road but china's legislative roadmap looks like they'll be skipping level three and going to level four maybe mid-decade um, and then a couple of interesting things in the automotive supply chain as well. So it, it kind of comes back to the startups and the tier ones that there's quite a few technology companies interested in um, packaging up autonomous systems and uh, selling you sort of a complete package. So where today we have this market of an OEM will go shopping for um, ADAS applications, they'll go shopping for an an adaptive cruise control system and an automatic emergency braking system and a lane keep assist system. Um, I think that's going to be transitioning to shopping for a complete level three system or a complete level four system where it's just sort of a a one button autonomous mode, um, press and forget kind of scenario. And the technology companies interested in that that I've seen are... um, uh, NVIDIA, who is kind of selling a kit of lots of different sensors all packaged together into an autonomous system. And uh, Qualcomm is another interesting one who's purchased or acquired um, Vionir, which is an established automotive tier one. Um, and so it looks like Qualcomm is kind of uh, taking the entire, taking control of the supply chain so that they can package up an autonomous system. So those are kind of the on the large scale, on the big automotive scale, the kind of trends that we're seeing in autonomy at the moment. And um, wherever you look, radar is going to be playing a part of that. And everyone's going to be interested in um, 4D imaging radars and making sure they've got the best radar tech on their car. Because, um, I mean, I believe radar is what probably the most important sensor, in my opinion. I, I think it the ranging and velocity that it brings over cameras is so important. You'll always need a camera because you need to be able to read traffic lights and things that are color sensitive. Um, And LiDAR has its place as well. But now that radar is getting so much better in terms of imaging potential, um, especially being shown off by those tier ones we talked about earlier, um, it it really does have a a key place in um, high levels of autonomy as we go forwards. Great. Well, thank you very much, James, for talking with me today about the automotive radar market and the future trends there. We appreciate your insights and glad you could share them with us today. To our listeners, you can find more podcasts at podcast.microwavejournal.com. Thanks for listening.